uh, we're the citizens for podcast appropriateity. And unfortunately, Writer's Bagel Basket is filthy. People talking about 90s November and Cold War movies and films directed by John Joe Dante, like Matinee. Matinee. It's in the basket. The Writer's Bagel Basket. Uh, this is Dick Miller again, by the way. <laughs> Hello, I'm Lawrence Woolsey. The feeling at this atomic test site is an anxious one. But then, you're about to see for yourselves what I mean. My terrifying new process, Atomovision, puts you, the audience, at ground zero. Not a safe place to be. But today, there is no safe place to be. Tear me apart, Lisa! Ah, dang. you mind putting that gun away? My wife doesn't care, but I'm a very timid fellow. You idiot. Don't be mean. We don't have to be mean. Because, remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I'm Scott Carlin, and uh, we're kicking off 90s November with... Matinee, and my guest is one of our favorites. You know him from Old Men Yell at Cloud, Nickelbacking, my miniseries that I do with him, When Scary Met Stabby, the other miniseries that we do together, and where in the world is Stephen Quincy Urkel, Mr. Christopher Brown. Hello. Um, not that I'm not grateful to be here or to see you, but I'm just wondering what happened to Hollywood's Dick Miller. He was just in here, and uh, he doesn't seem to be here anymore. Pretty longer. sure he's been dead. <laughs> like we 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 talked about this last time we did a Joe Dante movie. I'm pretty sure he's dead. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he is. Uh, but he died way more recently than you would have assumed. That's yeah. the only thing I remember about this. Yeah, yeah, we were both very shocked to learn. We thought he died in like 2009, and he died in 2019. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, he's he's great. He's one of the all-time greats. So the theme for this 90s November, we've done, like, literary adaptations. We did Disney Channel. Uh, I stumbled across this in the movie group that you and I are part of, that they asked, think of a, a movie trilogy that is unconventional, and I stumbled across 90s movies that were set during the Cold War. <laughs> so, What else is there besides this? Well, the other ones that we'll be talking about this month, we'll be talking about October Sky, The Iron Giant, mm-hmm. and then your wife is going to mm-hmm. be on the episode of Boy Meets World where he was a teenage spy, where he goes back in time, he oh, hits God. his head and goes back in time in the 1950s. Yeah, yeah I... my. Boy Meets World knowledge is is interesting because Danielle had me watch almost the entire series. We got to a point in the last season and I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, we I'm talked sorry. about I just that. cannot. Yeah. yeah. I think you got to the uh, Casablanca episode and you were like, I'm out. I don't even remember what it was. It was just, it was all so forgettable. So yeah, I, I'm hyper familiar with the first season because that was on um, when I was age appropriate to be watching it. And also it was just like, Corey was just kind of like an everyday kid that you could relate to and what have you. I would say and the then once first they had three him, seasons are perfect. Oh, no. As soon as they make Corey an idiot, <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, that's season four. And they four. start that at, like, season two. No, it's before that. 
it starts seeping in pretty quickly. <laughs> well, but anyway, I've, if there's I, no Minkus, it's not my boy meets world. <laughs> Mr. Turner was pretty cool until he it was popped fine. his Harley. <laughs> yeah, and uh, almost died. Yeah. So I was trying to think of the most 60s, you know, 1950s, 1960s appropriate drink I could be drinking right now while we do this. So I have a nice seven up. Oh, for a second, I thought you were going to say you had like a detective's pour of bourbon sitting there. <laughs> that's later. That comes later. I, that's one of my that's one of my favorite quantities for a liquid is uh, a detective's pour. So a bottle. <laughs> a, a hearty amount. <laughs> Man, if you drink like that, you're going to die. When? <laughs> One of my favorite, of my favorite lines quotes in... from Kingpin. Oh, I was thinking of Blazing Saddles. Oh, I was thinking Kingpin just when he was talking to the neighbor. Hey, how's life? Uh, taking forever. <laughs> <laughs> so, want to give us the blockbuster rule for Matinee? Sure. So, a William Castle-esque schlocky film producer is putting on his latest film, Mant, uh, in a he's having a debut performance of it at a matinee in a theater in the Florida Keys right during the Cuban Missile Crisis. He's in Kokomo. Yes. For a second, I my brain worked really strangely there because I heard Kokomo, and then my mind immediately went to Cocktail, the movie that Kokomo was featured in, <laughs> and I was like. I don't think he was. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this is one of my favorite movies to rent as a kid. Mm-hmm. I rented this a lot. For sleepovers, the three movies that I rented the most were this, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and I think you'll approve of this one, Airborne. I've never seen that. Holy shit. You've never seen Airborne, Mr. I Love Rad? It's literally- Yeah, I've never seen Airborne. Airborne is rad on rollerblades. Yeah, no, there's a whole number of those out there. Uh, yeah. There's also Gleaming the Cube, and um, Gleaming, there's, there's like other skateboarding ones, and yeah. Gleaming the Cube is great. But Airborne... All I remember from it is that uh, one of the kids' bedroom was in a bomb shelter in uh, their parents' front yard. <laughs> oh, I, I forgot that about Gleaming the Cube. I just remember yeah, Gleaming was, the Cube came out the same <laughs> year as choice. The Wizard. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a very heavy Christian Slater year. So this movie I watched all the time. Also, I have this weird obsession with loving films that are about either the movie-making process or cinemas in general. So I love this movie, Cinema Paradiso. Um, That's why I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which, you know, Mm -hmm. my wife and past and future guest Mallory Savern always tease me for loving. I I really liked it. I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, so yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't. <laughs> So basically this movie is great because A it's Joe Dante and B it's unlike any Joe Dante movie. But it's exactly like a Joe Dante movie. Yeah, it's it's odd because it has 
there are moments in it when you are very aware that you're watching the Joe Dante movie. Like when John Goodman is talking to uh, Gene at one point, describing cave paintings being the original form of horror movies. Mm -hmm. And you have that animated bit with the woolly mammoth. So he goes home, back to the cave. First thing he does, he does a drawing of the mammoth. And he thinks, people are coming to see this. Let's make it good. Let's make the teeth real long and the eyes real mean. Boom. The first monster movie. That's probably why I still do it. It's like, oh, okay, I am certainly watching a Joe Dante movie at this point in time. But then there are other parts that seem like oddly sentimental. And it's like, this, this is a little less Dante than I'm used to, but okay. When he's talking about the cave paintings, did you just picture him as Fred Flintstone fighting a woolly mammoth? <laughs> I wonder if that gave him the idea. Like, as soon as he finished this up, he grabbed his bottle of Jack, downed half of it, and called up his agent and was like, I want in on that Flintstones gig. It makes sense now. <laughs> Yabba dabba dabba. <laughs> That's the line, right? That's from, that's from the Flintstones movie when they do uh, the reenactment of the dramatization of him embezzling on TV. I'm an executive. Yabba dabba dabba. <laughs> that's a movie I saw in the theaters, have not seen since, and I remember nothing about it. I So I saw that a week after I saw Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> And did you see that in the theater? I did. <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> that's that's so good. No, it, it's it's not like it's a terrible movie. It's the opposite. It's that it's just such a nothing movie that it, it's it's such a good one to have like spent hard earned money to see on the big screen. <laughs> I was eight years old, and I so for a bunch of uh, <laughs> there's something about this Mel Gibson fellow that I really like and I can't put my finger on it man I hope he doesn't do anything wrong in about 16 years <laughs> <laughs> but I, I had these like do you remember uh, General Cinemas no uh, there, there weren't any by my way I was uh, more of a showcase lad okay so General Cinema was in Burlington it then became AMC Oh, okay. Yeah, I know the one you mean. That's where yeah. I, I saw a screening of Rad there uh, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> that used to be a general cinema, but they had these general cinema bucks. And I had like five bundles of 20 saved up over like two years. So that summer mm -hmm. was the summer where I was like, I'm going to go see Maverick. I'm going to go see, <laughs> I'm going to go see the Flintstones movie. I'm going to go see The Crow. Oh, no. <laughs> Brandon Lee. <laughs> but yeah, so I I saw Maverick in the Flintstones back to back. And I'm like, this is the same John Goodman who was in Matinee? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Goodman, when did he, when did he sober up? Oh, uh, it's like it the late to, 90s. Yeah, I I would say around Lebowski. But Yeah, cuz um uh, he was he was getting a little patchy in his work in the 90s. Mhm. Mm yeah, but this one 
honestly, I always thought that he his performance in this, it's a shame that they don't give Oscars for comedy because he's really good in this. Yeah, no, he he was very very good in this. Uh, he was he's only he was only sober in uh, two thousand seven. What? That seems late. Yeah. Jesus. I mean. Yeah, that's crazy. I. I mean, it makes sense on the set of Blues Brothers two thousand because Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> you gotta need. You gotta find a way to cope with that situation. Oh, that's not where I was going. That's darker than where I was going. I just pictured Dan Aykroyd <laughs> being like, hey, I uh, bought stock in this company, Crystal Skull Vodka. You want some? <laughs> you want 20? <laughs> so, yeah, this film is insane with how good it is at depicting like people who love movies. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it also tackles the Cold War era. And the fact that, uh, what's her name, uh, uh, not Kelly Martin, not Life Goes On, the other girl, uh, from Mrs. Doubtfire, Lisa Oh, yeah, um, what was her name? Lisa Jacob, Jacob? Sandra is the, uh, character's name. Yeah, which, we'll talk about her parents later, but I love her mother going, (laughs) my Sandra? How many fucking girls in 1962 are do you know that are named Sandra? Yeah, and also I I really appreciated the fact that she referred to her parents by their names as opposed to like mom and dad. Yeah, it it reminded me of Bridge to Terabithia. <laughs> Did you ever read that book? Uh yes, again something details long gone. Yeah, in that book <laughs> she called her parents by their name. They didn't have a TV. They only had books and jazz albums. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, Sandra's that type of girl. Yeah, that seems about it. So, can we talk about how Gene is probably a sociopath? All right, I'm going to I'm going to need some explanation from you on that front because Gene seems normal enough to me, except for his like obsession with horror movies and the fact that like he wouldn't he wasn't willing to step in foot in a theater if it wasn't a horror movie playing. So it's his aloofness. It's his like when someone's like, but what about this? He's like, yeah, whatever. He's got like the Zach Morris, you know, type of I can get away with anything. And I realized I, I'm going based on the scene with him and Kelly Martin at the concession stand, where he's like, you're totally wrong about Stan. Stan is helping me because my brother, you know, misses our dad, and and Stan's the only one who can help him. Why? He thinks of him like an uncle? Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, he was actually pretty capable of crafting a really dense, fictitious world very quickly. <laughs> that's That's why I'm like... Okay, so this is a world filled with potential serial killers because you also have that kid on the army base who his hobby is shooting like bullfrogs with a BB gun. Oh, Andy? Yeah, Andy is the person in this film that I think is probably the most, uh, the biggest example of a sociopath that you're going to see in a matinee. Uh, yeah, he's he's killing animals as a child. Well, he you also have Harvey like- Starkweather. <laughs> We do have Harvey Starkweather, but I think that he's more of a I think he's more of a delinquent than he is like ready to actually kill someone. I don't I don't think he would actually kill someone. 
I think I he might cut someone. I don't know. His name him. is Starkweather. And it's 1962. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's probably not coincidental. Yeah. But yeah, I don't I don't I don't think that he's actually like a sociopath. He just seems like a troubled youth. And by youth, I mean a 25-year-old who dates high schoolers and uh, terrorizes other high schoolers. Yeah. Also, going back to what you were saying about Alan, the fact that he can easily pass out when he sees something disturbing, that's also a sign of a serial killer. Uh, Andy? Andy. I don't know why I said... What did I say? Adam? Alan? Aaron? Alan. You're, you were thinking of Alan Grant from uh, Jurassic Park, also from 1993. <laughs> Wait, so this was 93, and then a year later he did Flintstones? Good he one, looks, yeah. He looks be... completely different, like, weight-wise in Flintstones, also. He probably dropped some, if I'm remembering correctly. I have um, no idea, but in this movie... He captures that whole, like, schlock movie director really well. Mm-hmm. Is he a director or is he a producer? Because his- He's a producer. He's a writer. We know this for a fact. Uh, I don't know if he's a director, but if there is a director involved in Mant, it's never discussed. It's probably So yeah. I, I want to say that, yeah, he's probably pulling just about all the strings. Yeah, because he also builds all of these, like, gadgets so he's an inventor too Mm-hmm. and so i wanted to pose this question to you would you prefer m night Shyamalan movies if he did what lawrence woolsey did and instead of randomly just showing up in the movie if he randomly showed up in the movie at the beginning to introduce the film like lawrence woolsey does instead of doing the uh him randomly showing up in in a cameo would you prefer that to what he does in his movies? Uh, probably only because the cameo thing is him, like, really believing that he's the next Hitchcock. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But I want him to do, like, the, the William Castle, the Lawrence Woolsey, the Rod Serling, and introduce it. I mean, Jordan Peele did that with Twilight Zone, but that's because it was Twilight Zone. I just want to yes. go to the days where a director introduces the movie almost like Walt Disney does. Yeah. Yes, so almost like the Walt Disney Presents is what you're saying. How yeah. he'd like sit there and like, oh, hello, you just caught me. Uh, oh, hello, I'm Christopher be- yeah. Nolan. <laughs> what you're about Some to see you is going to tickle dead, your be- noodle. <laughs> Thank you for seeing Tenet in the theater. I hope you don't die. <laughs> Fuck Warner Brothers. So <laughs> what, I, uh, what I walked away from this film, though, thinking most of all more than anything i want to see the full feature length mant oh me too absolutely i'll send you the link someone on youtube cut it together oh nice because there's there's a good amount of it in there was it like seven minutes oh it's longer i think it's like almost 16 minutes long that's amazing yeah but it's great the other one that i want to see is the professor shopping cart movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, featuring a uh, a young Naomi Watts. Yeah, I was like, is that Naomi Watts? And I was like, oh my God, that's Naomi Watts. And if this was a real Disney movie, first off, we all know who would have been the young man role in that film. 
honestly, the guy that got to play him, all that I could think of as like a, a real world actor uh, in that time period playing him was Dick Sargent. I was thinking Fred McMurray because Fred McMurray was in all those Disney movies. Yeah, no, I'm just basing this off of physical appearance. I yeah. saw him and I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd recast this with uh, Dick Sargent in that role. <laughs> I'd recast I mean, it with I'd Kurt have to Russell. Work some magic. To- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Walt's final words. Yeah, the, the Shook Up Shopping Cart was the name of the film. And you which know. Also looked pretty good. You know, you know who would be the voice of the shopping cart? Like, like if this was Disney, you know who it would be. I have no idea. I, I don't have the same Disney knowledge that my wife does. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's me, Edwin. Oh, okay. It would yeah, have I'm, to I'm be. I'm not Edwin. familiar with. Probably. I mean, if he was the guy. I mean, he was. He but that, was that sounds the, like a shopping cart. He he was the Mad Hatter in Alice in Wonderland. He was in Mary Poppins. He was the uncle who had the tea party on the ceiling. Like he was that. Okay, yep that wacky character like the wacky edwin, voice yeah edwin would definitely be the voice of that shopping cart did I ever tell you about my idea for a superhero that would be really ineffective but i thought that that might actually add to the humor if i ever decided to do this in real life it's gonna be called shopping cart man and the concept is really simple i would basically take an actual shopping cart and hollow out like room for like my legs and arms and head and i just like kind of waddle around wearing a shopping cart and then whenever there was danger i would jump onto my front and then uh, i would glide along in the shopping cart until i stopped like maybe five to ten feet later and nothing would get accomplished local massachusetts man is now paralyzed <laughs> after shopping cart accident yeah. <laughs> so i looked up who they offered the role of lawrence woolsey to before they got goodman and was it was it an upgrade or a downgrade i i'll let you decide I mean, it was an upgrade from one of the original choices was Christopher Reeve. That would have been weird. Oh, yeah. That would have been weird. But No, he would have he would have had like a sleaziness about him that I don't think Goodman has because he's too Goodman especially because of his size is a bit too like jolly seeming. Whereas I think Reeve would have seemed a bit more like scheming. They offered it to Candy. But Okay. But he did uh cool runnings instead. Delirious. Oh, okay. And he did Delirious, too, which is around the same time frame. And I, that's a movie I always associate with this for some reason. I don't know why. That's weird. I, I, I remember, like, I was talking to you about, I need you to do Delirious on this podcast, and we still haven't done Delirious on this podcast. Yeah, Matinee and Delirious are two movies that have been in my been on my radar since they came out that I've wanted to see that I've never seen. Uh, today was the first time that I saw Matinee. This was the first time you've seen Matinee? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man, you must have thought that my childhood was weird. (laughs) No, no. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I certainly would have been watching back then had I, had I just like had access to it because we didn't have like HBO or anything like that. And my parents were not huge into like video rental and stuff like that. Like we did it on occasion. So my my education was the streets watching TV, you know. <laughs> I, had, I, I, I had the California the Dreams. The 13th movies. Yeah. <laughs> Saved by the Bell. Uh, oh, I wrote a uh, I wrote a joke down here. Okay. Um, let's see how well it plays. Oh, do you so want to you know, know who the final about... person was? 
Oh, no, who? It was Steve Martin. That could have worked. That could have worked. He would have played yeah, him almost have. like I... Sergeant Bilko or like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that it went the way that it did. Yeah, because apparently Chevy Chevy Chase had a meeting with Joe Dante and he didn't fucking show up. That sounds exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, here's here's the joke that I wrote down. So in the film, they discuss the various technologies that uh, Lawrence Wolsey employs when he screens his films, uh, such as Atomo Vision or, or whatever the hell it was called. Rumble, but the other uh, one Rumble called Rama. R- Rumble Rama. Rumble Rama. Yeah. And as soon as I saw that, I just wrote down a note. I had some Rumble Rama earlier today. <laughs> yeah. Taco Bell. Uh, no. Ta- so I had this conversation recently with someone. Taco Bell has never made me sick. Really, I, I yeah, I, I think that that's uh, that's that's one of those lies that's perpetuated by the 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 liberal media. <laughs> I don't know. Every time I have Taco Bell, and I have Taco Bell, you know, I used to have it quite frequently. <laughs> well, I think the problem might have been that you were having too much Taco Bell as opposed to Taco Bell at all. What are you a cop? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like on an old men episode, Jim was talking about how the McRib made him sick. He's like, "Oh yeah, I've I felt so shitty after I ate the McRib." Yeah, cuz you got a Michael, McRib. Well, I was like, "Well, did you eat anything else with it?" He's like, "Oh yeah, I got uh two double cheeseburgers with it and and some fries." I'm like, "So you ate all of that and you're saying that the McRib is the problem, not the 4 pounds of food that you ate." <laughs> Well, I usually get the two doubles in McNuggets, so, you know, I changed the <laughs> equation. That's, that's the only thing that's changed. It's got to be the problem. <laughs> that's the variable. Actually, thinking of the Flintstones and the McRib, do you remember the promotional cycle that they did at McDonald's for the Flintstones? Where they Vaguely. offered the McRib again as part of the Grand Poobah meal? Oh, what was the Grand Pooba? Was that a Big Mac, a McRib? It, no, it was, it was a it was a Mc, it was just a McRib. It was like a McRib value meal. And they just called oh, it okay. the Grand Pooba meal. Yeah, it was I, very I remember lazy. I remember this was like the time period where they're like, "Hey, let's see how many people can die." So, we'll give you a Big Mac, a McRib, <laughs> a large fry, you can supersize it. You can get that weird orange drink that we have. And Jason Alexander, he's going to come over, come over with a two-sided styrofoam container. One side is your cold veggies, and the other side is your hot sandwich. Ah, the McDLT and that wig. <laughs> so, so I have a story about this movie and another sleepover. And yes, it involves the Augustus Gloop's mom, kid. Oh, okay. Yeah, actually, earlier when you were talking about uh, favorite sleepover movies to rent, I was going to make a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory joke, but I decided to take the high road. Willy Wonka. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the original is Willy Wonka, right? Yeah, so basically, we were at a sleepover. <laughs> this kid was watching the movie, and like... Same every- sleepover? What? Oh, Same sleepover? W- no. Was it? No, I think it was like a month after the that one. But I, like an okay, elephant, so, never forget. So, 
because so now he's comfortable he's comfortable with this group now so he's ready to really <laughs> express himself yes <laughs> so so everyone's like oh my god kelly martin from life goes on she's really cute and uh that's the girl from mrs Dalfire. and then he couldn't take his eyes off of kathy moriarty and he didn't say anything but we all clocked it <laughs> because <laughs> I mean, we did <laughs> to, to to be completely fair here there's nothing wrong with kathy moriarty she's a very attractive woman but she's played up to like look older than she really is right she i was, don't know how to she was 35 when she made this movie and she looks like she's about 40 or 50 <laughs> Yeah, she. I, I think she's played up to look older, or or she might she might have looked older, and they played her tried to like age her down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's an odd choice for like a like a ten year old boy. This was ninety three, so he was seven or eight. An odd choice for a seven or eight year old boy. <laughs> and I was like, oh great, now you've ruined one of my favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we're not watching Airborne because I don't want to see how you ogle Edie McClurg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a really hip dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Say more, Mina Liebkin. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this was one of the the sleepovers where that kid and an older woman... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. Next thing you, next thing you know, you're gonna have an episode of Wings on, and he's gonna be like, "You guys think that Faye is hot?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, uh, Schmoopley, Faye is like sixty-five. Answer the question. <laughs> no. Did you just say his name? I made up a name. I called him Schmoopley. Oh. Oh, okay. No. Because <laughs> that, that would have just added to the legend if that was his actual Christian name. <laughs> Shmooply Dipply Dop. <laughs> now I'm going to get it like hate mail from a guy named Shmooply Dipply Dop. How dare you? Sir, I cannot abide your mischaracterization of my childhood. Are you half goofy and half British? I didn't know what was going on there, but yeah, that that kind of sums it up. Do you want to go to Potato Lancer? <laughs> I told you that's my Wi-Fi network name, right? Yeah. <laughs> I also I also saw that picture of you at Potato Land a few weeks ago. <laughs> I'm so glad that they just have a potato on display that you can take <laughs> pictures with. <laughs> so yeah, um, but this movie, the first time I watched it, the the scene that always gets me is when. He's talking about the magic of the movie theater and like he got it. And the thing that made me really sad is like we don't really have movie theater experiences like that anymore. We have to be comfortable. We have to sit in recliners. I'm like, no, I'm sitting in a giant theater where the chairs are kind of comfortable, but very uncomfortable. The floors are sticky as all get out. Yeah, and there's Robert Picardo, who runs the movie theater, who thinks that the bomb's about to drop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Every every movie theater. 
Can can we talk about his uh, bomb shelter for a second? Because that plays a pretty big uh, part at the end of the movie. When Why is it in the movie Gene theater? Well, yes, yes. Um, I mean, that one's I think relatively easy. If he owns that property, then fine. He has the space. Whatever. It's, it's Who not is he? Ray Kroc, founder of <laughs> Steeler of McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> but what what I what I enjoyed about the vault that he had down there was Gene and Sandra end up getting stuck in it. At which point, Sandra immediately turns to him and is like, "We're kind of like Adam and Eve, aren't we? Like the the vault was sealed for all of." 30 seconds before she's like okay you and i we gotta repopulate <laughs> and the two of them start like making out but what i really appreciated about it was that all it took were some hammers and crowbars for them to get that thing open yeah so i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that if it came down to it that followed shelter wasn't saving anyone yeah well john goodman had that line because the guy's like they said that it was indestructible and he goes i'm in the wrong business <laughs> I love how how Goodman is trying to teach people how to cheat people out of money. Yeah, he's he's really strange in this. Like his obviously he has his own selfish motivations throughout, but he also has moments where he's just genuinely like passionate about cinema and he's like really excited to talk to people about the movie going experience and and what's important about it and what makes it great. And then the second he turns around, he's like pay me in cash before I leave. Like, Sir, he's, we he's have never cheated anyone out character. of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sir, we've never short shortchanged anyone. Maybe you should. But oh, like uh, that. So go- when we- oh, oh, go ahead. ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ahead. I was I was gonna bring up some, something else. Um, I was gonna talk about Sandra again in our introduction to Sandra, which was a, a pretty good scene, because first off, they have an air raid. Uh, siren go off because again this is taking place during the Cuban Missile Crisis so all mm-hmm. of the kids run up file out of the classrooms and like kneel down and put their hands on their heads and Sandra decides that this is the time to start yelling out like this isn't going to help you if the bombs fall we're all dead here's what's going to happen to you and she starts talking about like what the effects of radiation poisoning are and she completely has a point Enough of this. That girl's a communist. Heads down, people. If you die when the bomb first falls, you're lucky. Because if not, you're going to get radiation poisoning. First, your hair's going to fall out, and then you're going to bleed from your intestines, and then you're going to start throwing up. But you're not even throwing up food, you're throwing up your own organs. Ew. Yeah. Ew is right. Principal's office, let's go. Now, there are two things that I like about this scene. One, one kid yells out, that girl's a communist, which was just <laughs> it was just delightful. And then the other thing, I don't know if you caught this, but this was one of my favorite parts of the movie. A teacher ran and cut in front of a girl to get on the floor first before she yeah. could. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's also Joe Dante in a nutshell. Um, if you yeah. haven't gathered, this is his most autobiographical movie. Yeah, this, I could see that. Yeah. I believe he was an army brat kid. Um, clearly, mm-hmm. he is, you know, the the analog, you know, version of Gene. But yep. did you notice who played Gene's little brother? No, I had no idea who that was. That was Jesse Lee Sofer, also known as Bobby Brady. 
Oh, interesting. From the from, Brady Bunch movie. Yeah, from the and he is on that. He's in the Dick Wolf universe. He's part of that Chicago Fire or Chicago PD that Chicago show. Oh, but that's cool. Yeah, I'm glad he's working. I'm glad he still has a career. You know, unlike poor what's her name, Kelly Martin. <laughs> Who is she? She was Sherry. She was also on Life Goes On. Oh, yeah. Yep, yeah. Opla D, Opla Yeah, da. and, uh, and uh, what's her name? Lisa Jakub. <laughs> Lisa Jaku. Uh, she uh, she just retired altogether. I was reading. Yeah, I think the last thing she was in was George Lucas in Love. Do you remember that short? Yeah, and I do. And it was funny because as soon as soon um, as soon as I read that, I immediately had the mental visual, and I'm like... I haven't seen that in like a decade. Yep. But I immediately was like, yep, that was absolutely 100% her. Those are the things that I remember as opposed to like math or <laughs> useful things. <laughs> yeah. So, but to, for her career, she had this, she had Mrs. Dalfire, and she had uh, Independence Day. Independence Day and, and George Lucas and Love. She had at least. At one point or another, with the exception of maybe this movie, this movie is more of a cult film. At one point or another, she did have something that was in the zeitgeist because George Lucas in Love was, that kind of was one of the first short films released on the internet. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And Mrs. Doubtfire, I mean, I don't think she would ever have to work again because of Mrs. Doubtfire and because of um, Independence Day. You think she was really pulling in that kind of residuals, though, from those? Mrs. Doubtfire most definitely. She's billed third. Yeah. She's billed third? Or, no, it goes, Williams Williams and Sally Field share a byline. So it's Robin Williams and Sally Field, then Pierce Brosnan, then it's her, followed by Matthew Lawrence and introducing Mara Wilson. I don't know about that. I'm looking at the poster now. Harvey Firestein's in there before her, as well as Robert Prosky. Well, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, that would be insane. It's like her second movie or third movie to have, like, that kind of... Yeah, but because of, kinda... because of all of the shit that went down with with Kit Culkin, Christopher Columbus made, or Chris Columbus made sure that child actors got good residuals. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, I I think, and if you remember, Mrs. Doubtfire played all the time on on um, ABC Family, Freeform, or whatever the fuck it was called. It was on HBO all the time. Like, and they still show Mrs. Doubtfire every like Father's Day. So, she's still got to be making some money from it. Probably, I just I just question how much. I think it would be Independence Day is the movie that she would get a ton from. Because I know I know someone who is a voice actor who had a like not really big part but decent role in a, a Pixar movie, and they said you know the first time it aired, eh, not that many residuals, but they had like a really rinky dink part, and they they're like. Yeah, if I did two more of these, I would never have to work again. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, Independence Day is actually interesting in her career trajectory because it is the second movie in which Harvey Firestein is billed above her. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, you think you're going to be bigger than me, sweetheart? Think again, David. You got to work to get these kind of roles. Listen to my pipes. Yeah, but I, I remember this movie more from Beethoven's second than from the actual movie because they play the scene of them in the fallout shelter in Beethoven's second when Beethoven and girl Beethoven are at a drive-in movie watching a movie and it's the movie that they're watching. They're watching Matinee. These two dogs are watching Matinee over a bucket of popcorn that fell on the ground. That's... I have not seen a Beethoven film, and I'm pretty cool keeping it that way, but that's insane. <laughs> like, what you just described to me is fever dream nonsense, Cause for and the it's long- in a movie. <laughs> for the longest time, like, um, the... <laughs> That was the movie that, like, there was this one kid at one of the sleepovers who was not schmoopley diply dop, uh, wanted to always rent a Beethoven movie. So he <laughs> always brought Beethoven second. So at one point, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to buy first. So I, so I bought Beethoven second. I'm like, here, here you go. And he's like, I don't want this. So then, for no reason, I owned Beethoven second that I tried to give to a kid as a birthday present. Wow, you tried to give it to him as a birthday present and he just said no? Yeah. That's insane. Yep. He literally looked like, at gift toys be... in the mouth. Yeah, he might be the uh he might be the true villain of these uh sleepovers now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Huh. Fuck that. I don't, I don't think Schmoopley would have ever I... turned away a gift. No, but then he would think we were best friends and then, you know, I would have to go to divorce meetings with him. Why are we here? <laughs> Meeting ladies. I'm single and I'm ready to mingle. You're 10. <laughs> no, they're 10s as he points to all the divorces. Uh, they're more like 40s. <laughs> so yeah, this movie, like... The whole grand scheme of things, we haven't even talked about your boy Omri. No, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, we haven't uh, talked about Omri at all. And I had a code for him in my notes. Whenever he said something that I thought was crossing a line, it just said, oh no, Stan. (laughs) So I wrote that (laughs) down, I think, like four times. (laughs) Well, so this is how he got Erie, Indiana. That tracks. Yeah. Because he was... So they filmed this movie in 91 or 92. It got shelved because this was mm-hmm. this was a universal movie. That tracks 100%. I was wondering why um, Sandra looked younger in this than she did in Mrs. Doubtfire. Right. So this that got... That makes so much sense. This was um, a universal movie by default because originally this was an Orion picture and Orion mm. was dead. Mm-hmm. As of 1990 or 91. So for two years, this sat on the shelf. This was made in 91, mm. I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was made in 91. So for two years, it sat on the shelf, and then Universal's like, oh, John Goodman's big with King Ralph because King Ralph came out in in 91, and they're like, okay, we'll buy this. That's a hell of a phrase that you just said right there. John Goodman's big in King Ralph. (laughs) The movie made money. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I understand what you're getting at, but it's just one of those phrases where you hear it, and it's just, huh. That's that's something that I'm not sure has been said in the English language before. Chris, he dances in a Burger King. What do you want from me? Did I ever tell you uh, about when I opened up a fanfiction.net account? <laughs> I think you started telling me about it. And uh, I, I would create um, quote-unquote fanfictions for things <laughs> like um, Lost is the relevant one here. And I would copy and paste the uh, plot summaries from Wikipedia articles and just find and replace names. So one of them was about um, Ben's time, quote unquote, before he got to the island. And it was the plot of King Ralph, but (laughs) Ben Linus was Ralph. (laughs) Oh, my God. Because I know you sent me one um, where uh, Jack Shepard was. um, uh, Oh, that was Doc Hollywood. Doc Hollywood. Yeah. (laughs) because yeah. that Doc Hollywood's one of my favorite movies of all time and that tickled me pink like I was like that's great now now you need to write one now you need to write one that's the plot of Madonet we see a you know, we see a young Jack you know I've been retired from this game for about 10 years now but maybe time it's time to, to get back in yeah I gotta come out of retirement I'm gonna have to do a password reset <laughs> But yeah, with with this entire movie, I love how um there's this thing that happens in movies that I love because it never happens in real life. And the biggest example is in Matinee, how someone just comes into these people's lives and becomes like their best friend. Like it mm-hmm. John Goodman, the way John Goodman treats these people in this town is like he's lived there for years. Like he's this old like Falstaff character. Yep. Yeah, like the the way he treats Gene like a son and And he immediately employs Harvey Starkweather with uh zero experience or any reason to believe that he would be uh capable of doing the job. Yeah. Which he, as we would learn later, he he's not capable of doing the job. No, because he destroys the theater. <laughs> also we we glossed over the fact that um, Harvey is a creep, <laughs> and mm-hmm. yeah, he's like a twenty five year old, like I said, that uh, that dates teenagers and um, harasses other teenagers. He's McConaughey from Dazed and Confused. Yeah, he's like fucking shit bricks. Like this are a dime a dozen on the North Shore. They li- they exist in real life, and you'll you'll find like ten of them in Revere. So uh, you like jazz? <laughs> <laughs> so uh you like cold cuts <laughs> you like poetry you like, uh, you like pastrami <laughs> uh you like some butter on that maybe so some ketchup <laughs> it just reminds me of the simpsons so you like roller skates <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so Harvey Starkweather and Sherry 
it's the most disturbing thing about this entire movie is she's like, yeah, he's a creep, but he taught me a lot. I'm like, stop talking now. God damn it. Kelly Martin, you're supposed to be Roxanne. Yeah, I couldn't find a whole lot of information about the actor who played Harvey, but he, conservatively, he was probably like 25, right? <laughs> uh, I'm not. That man became John C. O'Reilly. <laughs> <laughs> but no like in this he he was probably about 20 20 to 25 i would say in terms of age he was not a teenager right right and yeah the 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 female character in question that you're referring to was basically suggesting that he had uh had sex with her uh, which is horrifying <laughs> yeah the other great thing about harvey starkweather is that he is in a different film uh he is in Twin Peaks Firewalk with me because yeah. every time he plays he first off he's like a greaser type character but then second off whenever he's in he's kind of like bopping his head around as he walks around and this jazz music kind of yeah, slowly the, plays in the, the background Twin Peaks the ding 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 Heath Wigam don't eat the clues <laughs> I'm just picture so him I, in the I red room I was a big room. fan of her yeah <laughs> I was a big fan of uh, Herb Denning as well, uh, played by our boy there. See, I like Herb, but the person I like more is I like uh, John like Sales. Miller. John Sales was is the that, other. Uh, g- that's that's his cohort, Bob. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah, yeah. how I love how Dante is best friends with with indie filmmaker John Sales, who has been nominated for Oscars, who is a brilliant indie filmmaker and then he'll just show up in like gremlins or inner space and in this and he's like oh hey yeah i'll be rough number two yeah i just i loved their whole arc which was we meet them and they're protesting the release of the film outside of the theater uh before our boy um our boy lawrence can show up and give a prepared speech i thought you were about uh, about to say our boy harvey i'm like do not call him that (laughs) <laughs> i was like no. And, no, no no so 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 that happens then we've discovered that they're actually employees of lawrence and he's using them to drum up publicity genius then then they meet harvey uh and talk to him for a little bit harvey tries to pick one of their pockets gets the wallet but they both realize what had happened and the two of them basically just like rough him up in a hallway somewhere i love the smile on their face because they're like we get to kick this kid's ass now yeah it was it was very great watching that that shakedown then they disappear from the film they're never in it again they're never mentioned again no they just yeah you're right they they completely disappear (laughs) yes which it's it's fine they're not like crucial players in this or anything we know what their role is but it's just interesting that they're in the movie up until like you know like an hour i would love they're just never to be seen again i would love one line of dialogue from dick miller where he goes so uh how far is disney world from here and then it just implies that him and john sales are going to space mountain (laughs) <laughs> we, we we got a little time off coming our way i i hear Frontierland is amazing carousel of progress uh, no <laughs> <laughs> oh uh one thing we didn't talk about too with omri Katz is the uh the spoon gag that his dad taught him 
The old man Wherein taking the he bath. He takes the reflection of the yeah of the back of a spoon, and it looks like a guy bathing himself. Uh, and it's just wonderful when his buddy's like, "Oh, who taught you how to do that?" And he's like, "My dad." <laughs> it's like Jesus, your dad is fucked up, kid. <laughs> I thought, "Hey, Stan, come here. I gotta show you something, son." <laughs> Did you um think that one of the friends was Paul Walker? One of the kids looked like a young. <laughs> no, boy. I didn't, and I, I was, I was trying to clock all the child actors too to see if there was anyone I knew. But yeah, no, there was there was no one that kind of reminded me of anyone. The only one that did was uh, Sherry's sister or Sherry's little brother, rather. And I thought briefly that he was the boy from Jurassic Park, but he's not. Uh Joseph Mazzola, is that his name? Joe Mazzola. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, the kid who got kicked, uh, who didn't do well in his audition for Hook, that Spielberg felt bad and gave him the role of Tim. Jeez, it's a hell of a consolation prize. Yeah, honestly, he got the better deal. Yeah, you weren't in a beloved childhood classic. All right, well, how about you just be in one of the biggest movies of all time? Would you? Would you like that? <laughs> what if he said no? <laughs> Did you look up anything about the kid who played Gene? Uh, I didn't see anything. Because at uh, first, too interesting about it. I I thought it was the kid from from Salute Your Shorts, the kid who played uh, Mike Mikey. But it was. Oh yeah, yeah, kind of similar. But no, it's funny because you you mentioned that, and I think that that was who he was reminding me of. There was someone that he was reminding me of, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but. Yeah, I think that I think that that that's the nail on the head yeah. right there. Kid from Salute Your Shorts, but no, this kid was British. With a name like Simon Fenton, I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Governor, it's me, Simon Fenton. Um, oh, shit! I just looked up something else. Um, there was a fourth person offered the role of Lawrence Woolsey, and I think you would have loved this, Christopher Walken. <laughs> Oh, that would have been interesting. Again, I think that would have been a very different and probably still enjoyable movie, but I, I, I think that, again, things went the best way possible. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree, but after doing the Airheads episode with Rock Candy, now I just want to see Joe Montaigne and everything. <laughs> Joe Montaigne as Lawrence. <laughs> Hello, I'm Lawrence Woolsey. How are you? Well, well imagine him as Gene. That would have been a fun movie. My dad is often. I gotta take my little. (laughs) I gotta take my little brother to see the shaking, fucking shopping cart. (laughs) Don't worry, Ma. Dad's not gonna get blown up. (laughs) I do. I do love how Sandra is like. Yeah, and then the military has our our our. What does she say? The military is over there in Cuba killing innocent people. And that line where it just takes such a turn because Gene goes, my dad's not killing anyone. Or my dad doesn't want to kill anyone. And she's like, who's your dad? And he goes, one of those guys on the boat. And she's like, oh, shit. Want to go on a date? (laughs) Constellation prize. Uh, Sandra is also notable. How so? Oh, um, well, she's notable because her dad is uh, Palmer from The Thing. 
yeah, not only is he Palmer from The Thing, but one of my favorite uh, roles of his was he is in 30-something. He was the uh, mm. the boss in 30-something who they replicated that character for Mission Hill where they got that guy to play the same character he played in 30-something. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So every time I see him, all I think of is 30-something. I don't even think of the thing. <laughs> And Good times. He kind of looks like the only person wearing normal clothes, like 1990s clothes. His his outfit does not scream 1960s. No, I found that his uh, his wardrobe was actually pretty jarring because he first showed up um, at the protest in front of the movie theater, and I was like, "Why the hell does this guy like not get a costume for this movie?" I but, have 20 uh, minutes before I, think- I have to get back to the set of 30 something. Timothy yeah. Busfield is no. going to be pissed if I'm late. Yeah, and it looks like um, he was just supposed to be like more of a beatnik, which I think it, his costume was fine for that. It was just I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, yeah. I I love how I could talk all night about Sandra's parents because it's like no, because if we think it's bad, then that's sending the wrong message to Big Brother. It's like Jesus yeah. Christ, <laughs> your daughter is twelve. So I have a theory about that because okay. because they're being so like loosey-goosey and like no you decide San Sandra or Sandra is gonna be like no what screw it I'm gonna marry Jean we're gonna live on a military base you know <laughs> I I think she's gonna put they're they're accidentally pushing her into that direction <laughs> yeah she's gonna be uh yeah like, at this point she would be like the kind of person who's on Facebook to see pictures of her grandkids and um to share memes about how um obama is currently (laughs) controlling the white house (laughs) and don't forget the jesus quotes with the minions on them (laughs) (laughs) a time-honored classic (laughs) yeah where i think that you know uh uh what's his name stan stan and sherry are gonna grow up to be like bob and midge from that 70s show yeah, that that totally fits. <laughs> this this movie's great, but also why at the end of the movie is uh Goodman dressed up as Thurston Howell the third? Yeah, I I just put Lawrence has become Hefner. <laughs> He's wearing the, the captain's a, hat is the, insane. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason. Also uh, Jesse White shows up. Jesse White from Harvey. I played his role in a production of Harvey. He was the orderly in Harvey. He shows up as the old guy who runs the the movie theater company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think you're burying the lead with him too because his biggest role was um, the Maytag repairman. Was he? Yeah, for decades. Oh, because I think of Gordon Clapp, the yeah, second I, I, Maytag. Maybe Jesse White was the original? He was. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was 67 to 88. And then it was, it was uh, what's-her-name's dad from uh, Growing Pains, Gordon Clapp. And now it's the guy from Fringe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
Not e- not even Joshua Jackson or John Noble, the other guy who dies in the first episode. <laughs> so, yeah, with this movie, the the fact that they destroy a movie theater, which is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. When that balcony goes, uh, it's absolutely heartbreaking. But I do love seeing that movie theater. Like, if I were to ever own a movie theater or, like, have my own like revival house or archive house that's i would want it to look like that i would want it to look yeah like. that's it's a very classic theater yeah and i've had this conversation with Haley so many times they show a hershey's bar and a nestle's crunch bar in the old tinfoil wrapping am i crazy but do candy bars taste better when they were in the old tinfoil wrapping I mean, it, it seems like it hit differently, but I mean, you're asking you're asking a, an unanswerable question. Can I have an answer, please? <laughs> no, I, I don't remember. <laughs> it, it, it's something about it. The aluminum, the mercury poison yeah. we got. <laughs> <laughs> when you mentioned the end earlier, uh, and we're talking about. <laughs> uh, Thurston Howell the third. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to talk about the post credit scene in this film. Which post credit scene? At the very end of the credits, there is a very short scene of Carol saying in Mant, oh, Bill, and then that's it. Yeah. Makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, It was super, super strange. This movie tanks so bad... And it's a shame because it did well on like video later and on HBO. Mm-hmm. But this did so bad. This came out in '93. Dante didn't make another movie in theaters. He only did straight to video or or TV movies until 1998. Wow! Small Soldiers was his next movie. Well, at least he got to write the Phantom. <laughs> Yeah, so he did Matinee, and then he did Small Soldiers, and then Looney Tunes Back in Action, which Ugh. Looney Tunes Back in Action is not terrible. It's better than Space Jam. It. It's better than Space Jam. That's a really, really it's a low, low bar. bar. But, <laughs> but that was his last in-theaters the- movie, and then he had Burying the X, which um, no one... It came out in 2014, it said, but it got shelved, and they only released it after the death of Anton Yelchin. So, like, Dante, Mm. this movie kind of killed his career. Interesting. It was his passion project. It's a shame. Yeah, and this is just like, yeah. Yeah, because when you think of everything that he did before, like, he he was putting out great stuff. This came out after Gremlins 2, the new batch. Yep. And then The Burbs was before that. Then you had Explorers, Gremlins, The Howling. Oh, God, I love Interspace. Can't wait for you and I to talk about Interspace because apparently you're my Joe Dante guy. (laughs) That's fine. Uh, That's that's one that I've seen in the background. So it's it's not gotten my full attention, but I have been present as it has been showing. (laughs) So we haven't talked about Kathy Moriarty a ton 
And in this movie, in the in the movie within the movie, she is great. Oh, in, she absolutely is. In the movie itself, her character of Ruth, kind of a bitch. <laughs> well, Ruth doesn't really have a personality uh, other than just kind of like unpleasant. Like that seems to be the only thing going for her. And the only thing that kind of shakes that and makes her seem like she's in a good mood for the first time in this entire film is when um, Lawrence suggests that they have kids and get married. I do love when the kid comes up to her and goes, nurse, nurse, I skinned my arm. That looks terrible. Yeah, I I did appreciate um, her being like paid to act as an actress, pretending to be a nurse, having people sign waivers so that if they died of a heart attack or anything, uh, Lawrence wouldn't be responsible. But yeah, I enjoyed that, but I also really enjoyed it because she's in the movie that people were going to see. <laughs> yeah, and they, they didn't put two and two together. Yeah. When when everyone's gathered to finally watch the premiere, uh, I don't I don't know if you caught this because I, I don't know why it just stuck out to me like this beacon, like lights from above were shining down on this one adult man who was sitting in the middle of a theater full of children and he just had a big grin on his face. <laughs> no, I didn't notice that. Yeah, uh, take a look for it. I think there was another adult next to him, and it was just the way that the camera was moving and heads in front of her and whatnot. So I think that there was a woman sitting with him, but it looked like he was just alone. Is it <laughs> the guy? Than everyone else and smiling. Is it the guy at the end who who hugs a stranger and they're like, "What the hell?" No, okay. no, it's a it's a random dude. He's uh he's taller and skinnier. He has a full head of hair, uh, blonde. Okay. I'll have to yeah, watch so it some, again. Look out. Yeah, look look out for that on your next uh, viewing. I have to say, in his monologue, in his speech he does about the art of the movie theater and how like everyone has a part to play, and he's like, when you take the tickets, when you sell the tickets, and then when he says to the concession stand person, he picks the worst candy. He goes, when you sell the jujubes. I'm like, that's the worst candy there is. <laughs> Was it in 1963, though? Yeah. <laughs> when you sell the things that break people's teeth open. <laughs> there was um, one other thing that we didn't really talk a lot about was Gene uh, and uh, Dennis's mother, who is yeah. who, who's peppered in this movie throughout. But the one scene that I thought was absolute... This plays into your theme that Gene is a sociopath. Right. So... There's a scene where she's watching home movies uh, late at night uh, of the father who's uh, overseas. Yeah, right after he had the nightmare, right? Yeah. And Gene steps out and sees this happening. And you see him think about it. He starts kind of slowly approaching his mother to comfort her. And then he turns around and walks out. And there's just this like syrupy (laughs) sentimental music playing over it. And I don't know what they're trying to convey there, but it (laughs) was Then he looks at the barrel of the camera and says, I feel nothing. Slices his hand open, <laughs> licks the blood off it. Pain is my mistress. I all the other I, thing, the other thing of him being a sociopath is in the movie theater at the beginning when he's watching the movie with his brother and he's just torturing his brother. Yes. Yeah. Uh one thing I will say, too, is for the premiere, the theater decorations were awesome. So it had, like, the giant ant legs coming out of the building itself. 
And inside there was like some sort of like ant creation. I forget exactly what it was, but it, ha- it was covered in real ants. And mm-hmm. it was real, real close to the concession stand. <laughs> <laughs> There's ants in the popcorn. Oh, that was another thing. John Goodman calls popcorn corn in this movie. That is one of my biggest pet peeves. That someone calls popcorn corn. And it's because I used to work at a movie theater. And when I would work the concession stand, I literally had to stop working at the concession stand. I was like, either train me on the projector or have me, you know, sell tickets. I can't deal with people calling popcorn corn anymore. Uh, Because there's always those dad jokes of the guy being like, so can I get a bag of corn? Do you shuck it yourself? And I'm like, fuck you. Oh, God, that's awful. There's nothing worse than being stuck at a retail location like that, and you just have to respond to this person. Like, you are being paid to defend someone else from this person. Yeah. <laughs> I I used to work at um, a convenience store when I was in high school, and the worst for me were the people who bought scratch tickets. And I wanted to institute a policy that my boss disagreed with that in order to buy a scratch ticket from us, you had to call it by its correct name. Not a- you would be amazed at how many people could not do that. What did they call it? Scratchers? No, no, no. So, like, they'd pick out their individual tickets that they wanted. So, like, there's, like, like probably 20 different ones at any given point in time. So, I remember the, the, the hot one in the summer of 97 was... Um, lifetime cruise or no it was cruise of a lifetime was the actual title of it and one of the prizes that you could win was a a cruise and there was this woman who'd always come in and the fact that like she didn't quite like talk right like she had some kind of speech impediment didn't help but she'd always come in ask for the lifetime coups and like every time it was a struggle it's like oh god (laughs) what am i what am i doing yeah i'm gonna die someday (laughs) and here i am (laughs) john goodman sent me off by calling it corn just like not to shame anyone but if you're calling popcorn corn just please don't you're probably also someone who calls pizza za yeah you want some za before we go to the v and get some corn oh god jesus <laughs> <laughs> so what do you call the movies the moving pictures the flickers <laughs> The flickers. <laughs> the flickers. Yeah, so so that drove me crazy. Um, the other thing is, he tricks a kid by touching his ear, like, seductively, so that he thinks it's the girl next to him. And the kid falls for it, hook, line, and sinker, puts his arm around the girl. And I was, I was praying that the girl would be like, ah, get the hell off me. <laughs> Yeah, which is what she should have done. Yeah. Like in Rad, when uh, a character pinches a girl's butt and uh, as he's walking by, and she turns around and sees the guy standing behind her, and she's like, you creep, and she just slaps him. <laughs> Speaking of pinching butts, you also have the, the, the ant pincher going after the butt, and then uh, Kathy Moriarty's butt, and then the, the buzzer goes off. Yep, that was very good. I liked yeah. that a lot. That was a callback to the Tingler. Yeah, an actual William Castle joint. 
yeah, he's he's great. Um, obviously, I've never seen a film of his w- in the full experience with a rigged theater to you know enhance would, the experience. I would kill to see that. I love. Yeah, I w- I would love to see that in an actual movie theater. And like the closest we get now are like the 4D theaters, but those suck. Like they're they're like super cookie cutter. I went once to one of those theaters and that was to see Doctor Strange. Yeah, we saw the first Fantastic Beasts at one. And it's like at one point you get a tiny bit of water sprayed on you. You move a few times during it and then there's a couple cents. And it's like, "Oh, okay, cool. This was worth the additional $7 per ticket." Yeah. Where's the showmanship? I love how he he says how he does everything. He's like, some of it is just old stage magician. Some of it's vaudeville theater. Mm -hmm. And I love how how Jesse White is like, ah, showmanship. You don't see that anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. One One other thing I wanted to discuss, and this is one of those things. There are certain humor tropes that I just... They're like nails on a chalkboard for me. And Mm -hmm. so like an example is whenever someone who is clearly doing something that is intended to be funny says that they are not funny. That drives me up a wall. It's like, no, 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 you're doing something. You have a following like you're funny. That's 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 nothing. You're 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 doing a you're doing nothing right now. But the uh, the humor in this that uh, that pissed me off was. They didn't do much of it, but making jokes at the expense of the time period Mm -hmm. and the working knowledge of the time period when they were in school and one of the teachers was saying all right so you need to make sure that you have three red meat meals per day and it's like come on like we know people are advancing in terms of our understanding of diet and science and everything like that like that's just such a cheap joke well, I'm glad that I got to know what those uh, those meals were. <laughs> Did you know that there was a breakfast, a lunch, and a dinner? There are. I would have been like, what about the fourth meal, sir? Taco Bell told me there's a fourth meal. <laughs> yes, that's uh, it's to be enjoyed late night, and it's called dark lunch. <laughs> the thing that actually drove me crazy is the fact that Goodman, I believe Goodman knowing how to use the projector, but he then says to Gene, uh, because the theater is like falling apart, he says, cue up projector two. Gene is like, what, 14 or 15? He doesn't. Yeah, probably. He doesn't know how to use a projector. <laughs> no, no. I mean, realistically, I could probably thread the tape, but uh, I wouldn't trust myself with like an actual canister of film and a projector (laughs) yeah gene's a little boy i i love how the mom is um uh sandra's mom i should say when they open up the the vault and she's like what are you doing they they weren't making out they just had their arms like holding each other like they were scared it was a little it was a little more sensual than that (laughs) It just seems like what are what are you doing? Oh, I don't know. We thought that the fucking world was ending. The door was closed for ten seconds. We determined that the world was over and we needed to repopulate. Are there any other stupid questions? <laughs> you dumb schmucks. <laughs> oh, you dumb bastard. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rhonda. Do you have any more other dumb questions? <laughs> you know, I always knew you were an idiot, but today, today you have proven yourself to be much more. I'm getting it. You're a moron. <laughs> no, what? I'm not going into the workforce. I'm going to marry Jean, and I'm going to be, you know, a 1960s housewife. You're tw- <laughs> you're 14. No, you're not. <laughs> You know what got a good chuckle out of me was the scene earlier in the film when uh, Stan and Jean go to the grocery store to watch all the carnage unfolding as everyone's uh, basically acting like it was March of 2020 and trying to like grab everything from one another and what have you. My shredded wheat. (laughs) Yeah. There was a scene where shopping carts collide uh, in four different directions as people are trying to go down different aisles and what have you. And one of them is being uh, pushed around by this old lady, and someone bumped into her carriage. Not her, her carriage. And she yells out, ow! <laughs> and I found that very funny, because it's like, that didn't hurt. That makes no you just sense, made a choice. You just made a weird choice as an actor, and I really like it. <laughs> she went for it. I do love the kid who's like, hey, are you the guy who makes the monster movies? And he's like, yes, I am. And he's like, thanks, Mr. Hitchcock. I just wanted Goodman to punch (laughs) that kid in the face. Okay, we've come to the end of this. (laughs) Is there anything (laughs) else we forgot? Uh, Yes. The second screening of the film was canceled. And the theater manager was very reasonable about it with people. And some woman screamed at him picking up her three-year-old child in the process saying, you tell my son he can't see it. Oh, I've had that happen to me when I worked at the movie theater. Like, what was the movie that... It was the Santa Claus 2 was sold out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to get some parents on that one. And then... So then they're like, okay, well, we'll go see Cheaper by the Dozen. I'm like, that's sold out too. And they're like, okay... I didn't know that we were living in, and they named like some country that they mispronounced. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know we lived in Canada. <laughs> oh, I didn't know we lived in Yugoslavia. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was insane. So I'm like, know what? Know what film I think you and your child would definitely love, and you should see together. I spy. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> <laughs> no, this wasn't Freaky Friday. The, <laughs> the, most, un- the most uncomfortable ticket I ever sold was uh, to a like high school couple. And they're like, two tickets for the movie Closer, please. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Do you think they liked it? Well, they went in holding hands, and they left not holding hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the one the, the movie that I got yelled at for being sold out the way that Robert Picardo got yelled at was Meet the Fockers was sold out. And I, <laughs> I was trying to be so reasonable. They're like, oh, well, what comedy do you suggest that we go see? I'm like, In Good Company. It's got Dennis Quaid, Topher Grace. And she's like, Eric Foreman? No. And I was like, <laughs> I'm I'm trying here. 
you you gotta meet me halfway, man. And she's like, fine, two for for win a day with Tad Hamilton. Like that's also toe for Grace. And she's like, you keep it, you keep out of this. Mind your business. Hey, I asked you to get involved. You stay out of this. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm going to tag Topher Grace in this because I think he would get a kick out of that. Topher, I got (laughs) yelled at when I was trying to upsell your movies. (laughs) Yeah, went a date with Tad Hamilton. You got to say it like that because there's an exclamation point. So how many bagels do you get this? I've never seen that, and I'm happy with that. It's not bad. I don't mind it. Eh. I honestly I like Topher Grace as long as he's not Venom. I like Topher Grace. How many bagels? That's an interesting question. This is a very enjoyable movie, and if I had been watching this since childhood, I would undoubtedly give this a very high score. Um, I think. Have, not having seen it as a child, I'm missing out on some of the... Whimsy? Sort of p- putting myself in, like inserting myself as a character into the film that I, I probably would have done as a kid and like seeing myself in Jean or, or something like that. Going so to a I, sleepover I party and making sure that a kid doesn't, you know, jump through the TV to go after Kathy Moriarty. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I missed out on that, and that's I, honestly that's like a big chunk of things, and that's that's why like I, I still watch Rad and stuff like that. It's because I, w- I was able to to get into that as a kid. So I'm missing that from this, and I'll never get that, which sucks because I, I wish I had it. I'm gonna go eight. I'm going nine and a half. Yeah. Yeah. It. I it's mean, a, it, it's a really fun movie. I mean, I would. I was. I went into this podcast going with, I'm giving this 10. And then the more we talked about the Harvey Stark weather. Yeah. <laughs> Half a bagel came off. Well, <laughs> at least it didn't get, at least it didn't get any darker than it had to. Yep. So you want to promote anything? <laughs> mm, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Check out uh, Old Man Yellow Cloud, uh, which is my primary podcasting venture. Uh, it's available on the Zero Science Network, and you can find that by uh, Googling it. comes out every, uh, twice a month, and it is a music podcast. I love how you're like, you can find it by doing your own goddamn homework, you fucking lazy bastards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not really a lot I can say here uh, to, to help anyone get there. Like, I can't, I can't speak in hyperlink, if you know what I mean. <laughs> www.zeroscience backslash www full stop (laughs) you're doing it like an old telegram (laughs) www stop so I have another podcast called hell is a musical on the zero science network Um, Chris and I just got done doing when scary met stabby um so those are still mm. airing if you want to listen to those that was fun to do and um yeah yeah you can follow follow us on twitter instagram email us writers at gmail.com chris thanks for doing this yeah thanks for having me yeah 
Chris will probably be back, so. <laughs> See you well, in award season. I could always, I could always die. <laughs> Don't, Jesus Christ. Well, until next time. Well, I'm just I'm, saying. You're, you're saying, oh, you'll probably be back. And it's like, well, maybe I won't. <laughs> You would purposely die to get out of having to do this podcast? No, no, no. That's that's not what I'm suggesting at all. I'm just suggesting. Why are you, that, you know, winking? Maybe, uh, maybe <laughs> old man death has other plans for your boy. <laughs> I just picture your old man death popping in, going, "I don't," and just walking away. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and just to be clear, uh, and to add some levity to it, what I am envisioning is a Rube Goldberg esque death. Like, this is not going to be something that people will have to take seriously. <laughs> this will be something when people learn everything about it, they'll be like, man, so wait, wait, the roller skates were involved when? You mean like that random and, scene, and, like that random scene in Curious Case of Benjamin Button when they explain how she got hurt and it was because like a chicken egg fell on the ground and rolled and just hit the marbles just right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That sort of thing. Like a, a genuine Rube Goldberg machine that uh, that has some unpleasant results. <laughs> well, Chris, thanks for doing this. Until no next time, I'm, I'm Scott Curlin. Bye. Bye.